Hello there, I'm Stan Fowler. And I'm Bob McGregor. And this is what we call the Thinking About It podcast, because Bob and I think about a lot of things related to theology and church and ministry and and uh, cultural matters, uh, politics. We never run out. The, the topics just keep coming up. And so we try to think about it ourselves. We, w- we would have these conversations anyway, but we're having it uh, in public in this way to hopefully engage others. One of, one of the uh, questions that arises, Bob, when we think about pastoral ministry today is, is the whole matter of what, what kind of gifts, what kind of, what kind of spirit-given skills do pastors really need? What do we need to look for in a pastor? What does a, what does a, a man need to sense in himself if he senses that he ought to be a pastor? And part of that revolves around, well, it's sometimes called shepherd versus rancher, or, or it's often about whether my, my skill set of being um, a shepherd who cares for people, who wants to teach and care for people, is enough, or whether I need to be a visionary, entrepreneurial type leader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is that a tension pastors are feeling yeah, these days? it is a tension, and sometimes the biblical justification for that is, in the New Testament, Paul was that person, right? He was the visionary, new horizons, uh, pray for me that I have utterance as I go to new places, support me in this. So you could argue that that thinking was like a sodality modality thing so that it was a higher calling, if you will, and that's what Paul did. Our job is to manage the household of faith and to support those like Paul who are called into global expansionism. I'm not saying that washes with me, but I, I can see what's going on there. And, and when I come into a local church context, I wrestle with that, as I think every pastor does. You, you're a shepherd. Well, a shepherd means something. You nurture and develop the sheep. You visit them in the hospital. It's, it's a big job to do that. Um, but the other side of the thing is how do you mobilize these people to have a significant outreach and is it enough to say if, if they're mature, they'll find a way to do it. We don't need to organize it. We don't need to build and plan. and um, It'll just happen. But if you are going to mobilize your people and organize them, it's a different skill set, which is why a lot of larger churches find a way to divide that between uh, teaching, shepherding, pastor, and what would you, you'd call an executive pastor who does the the logistics and the planning and all the all that skill set he looks after. Yeah, and I mean, uh, we both know a few churches that have done that and, and are doing it right now. Okay, so would you say that if, if a church grows to a point where it it reasonably can support two full-time pastors— that should maybe be a first step if you're moving beyond the traditional pastor, if you're going to add a second pastor. Do you think a first step would logically be sort of a, a visionary leader pastor 
to be one of those persons yeah. and the other to be the teaching I pastor? think the problem is sometimes you, you get that big and you say, why do we need someone to do that? We're, we're big. And, and I think the reason you may be big is because you've got a pulpiteer, someone who just draws people. Um, and you've got dis- you to ask yourself, is that what you want? Do you want a large preaching center where people come and get really good sermons and they, they just deal with it and so that's who you are? Or do you decide, what, how do we steward this group of people? They come here, they regard us as their church. Is it on us to mobilize them and plan programs? And I, I would say, uh, if not then, earlier, you bring a guy in who can uh, oversee all that, who can manage programs, deal with uh, human resources, if you will, uh, think five-year plans. And I think you need, you need a hire, or at least a, an individual in the church whose, whose gift set is that. Yeah. Um, how common do you think it's going to be for churches to have a kind of co-pastor situation in which one is the, let's say, the lead pastor, leads the pastoral team, and and the other is the primary teaching pastor who's very much focused on that. How how common do you think that might become? Well, can I just ask the theologian a question? How biblical is it that we even imagine that? Thanks for throwing it back my yeah, direction. I, I would argue um, the the biblical picture, let's say in Ephesians 4.11, where I think where you have pastors and teachers connected together, I, I, I'm personally still convinced that grammatically in four, Ephesians 4.11, you have four divisions, not five, and that the last one ties together pastors and teachers you're really talking there about the things that elders do mm-hmm. in the church, shepherding and teaching. Mm-hmm. Those those describe what elders do. So there, there's a sense in which the teaching pastor in, indeed is a shepherd. And, and, and if I'm a teaching pastor, teaching the word in a way that equips God's people here to, for the work of ministry— work of service, a la Ephesians 4, then, then in some sense my teaching has to lead in the direction of mobilizing and equipping them to use their gifts to serve God's people and reach out to those who are not yet mm-hmm. part of the people of God. So there, there's a sense in which it all goes together. And, and one of the challenges then, I think, of having that division, you know, that dual pastor approach is if if I'm the teaching pastor, I, I want what I'm teaching to have an actual impact on the life and ministry of this and the outreach of this church. Yeah. So if we have a dual pastor situation, those two pastors have very much got to be on the same page, same philosophy, committed to this, the same things. Because both... Both are aspects. I mean, caring for people and teaching them and and leading them and mobilizing them, I, I would say all of those are inherent in what it means to be a shepherd. Yeah. Now, sometimes you get all that in one guy. Sometimes you do. and But, but we both recognize 
most of us, most of us have have strengths that that tilt in maybe one of those directions, or or yeah. if we're talking three or four aspects of what it means to to be a pastor, maybe in a couple of those areas, but in the others, we're not as strong. I've certainly. In my life, I've, I've certainly seen a lot of churches where I thought, wow, that guy, that pastor, I mean, he's a great minister of the word, but he, you know, he couldn't lead people out of a paper bag, mm-hmm. it seems. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I see some others who have this great leadership skill, and I hear them preach, and I think, ouch. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's not that they're heretical, it's just that it's... It's it's painful to try to listen. So to why them. can't you bring those two guys together in one church? And I think that makes it makes a lot of sense in in so many ways. If if the church yeah. is large enough to to support that or has the vision, you know, they used to say when I was in Bible college that your first hire should be an administrative support person, the secretary or something like that, to look after all of that stuff. Right. And because if if you don't, you're doing it as best you can. Um, and so I would say, ideally, if you're going to plant the church, and I know some guys that have done this, they've done it together, a team, uh, Paul and Barnabas. I don't know if we see those um, competencies in that duo or not, but I do think if you're bringing two guys together, they better have um, complementary gifts. It better not be that they both love to preach or something. But if you can bring them together so that they complement one another, uh, you've got, I think, a good shot right from the very beginning of building a church that has both good shepherding and teaching and good ministry vision. But we don't typically think that way. No, we don't. Uh, but I, I think I think many of us and many many church leaders more generally are are beginning to think more carefully about that and and recognize that the pastor, and I've, I've got scare quotes around that, mm-hmm. in the way that we've typically thought of him in the past, m- may not be clearly the biblical way to do things. Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, nowhere in the New Testament do you, do you find a reference to the pastor of right. the church. Mm-hmm. You, you find a reference a, to a corporate kind of a concept. You find a reference to the elders, yeah. and and I think in First Timothy five we we find a, a statement indicating that some, but not all, of the elders would be set apart to be mm-hmm. pastor in what we would call a vocational way to to sort of labor to that extent in the word and mm-hmm. teaching. That's true, but. But our our common terminology, the pastor of the mm-hmm. church, actually appears nowhere mm-hmm. in the New Testament. So, so I think it's worth asking, what what is the the most effective way to structure vocational eldership in a local church? And if if you have if you have all those skills present in one person well that's wonderful you've you've got a great find but if not wow. maybe we should be looking at at pairs or teams now you mentioned Paul and Barnabas they're probably not the paradigm because they were they were the traveling team 
launching new churches. They weren't a continuing pastoral right. team mm-hmm. in a given church. But experientially, I think we all recognize the, the value uh, of having multiple pastoral leaders who have complementary skills rather than assuming that we're going to find everything in one person. Amen. Amen. And I, and I think it's, when you think executive pastor, it's got to be more than just administrator. Oh, yes, definitely. Right? It's someone who is visionary. He's a leader, and he leads in the way that your usual lead pastor would lead. And you're absolutely right. Uh, there has to be a, 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 an affection between those two. Uh, they have to be on the same page. And if you can find that and the church can finance it, I think it will bear a lot of fruit. Where I've seen it happen to, to this point ha, has often just been in a situation where a church sort of fell into it. They, they, they happened to have, let's say, one man on staff who was that, that very competent leader, visionary type. And, 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 then they, and then they appointed another man in a pastoral role who was clearly the gifted teaching pastor. And they kind of fell into it. Well, I can think of one or two in the past yeah. where the teaching pastor was actually a, a seminary professor yeah. who was the part-time but primary teaching pastor. And that worked as long as he stayed at the seminary and didn't go away to some other school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when he left, well, then that put the church in a more difficult spot, saying, okay, do we have somebody like that mm-hmm. to, uh, to appoint into exactly the same kind of role? But a, a church can recognize that the exact shape of its pastoral team may well change over time, and that dual pastor approach may work for a time, and then there may come a time when something else yeah. is, is required. And, and I think the training for that executive pastor type uh, isn't the same. Uh, there doesn't need to be the degree of theological precision. I think he needs to have administrative skills. Uh, maybe in business he can come in and help with visioning, which is not the kind of thing you learn in seminary. So I, where do you get those guys? Um, I don't know, but I know them when I see them. And maybe, uh, maybe those are the guys that we recognize currently in our church, and we provide for them some theological education so that they're not just leading as a businessman, they really are leading as, as a pastor. That would be another reason for doing the kind of thing we've talked about before, serious theological education in the local church. Amen. Another topic for another time. Thanks for listening in and thinking with us today. I'm Stan Fowler. And I'm Bob McGregor. So you keep on thinking.